Welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most Colorado Springs-loving city between Pueblo and Loveland. I'm Ron Doyle. Joining me today at the Five Points Media Center are Josh Johnson. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Ron. Jared Mayor. Good morning, Hello, Ron. I didn't ruin your name that morning, this morning. Yeah, I have, you, I have a problem with your last name, Marmere. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And, and our special guest, Christy Milligan, Executive Director of Citizens Project. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Ron. So, uh, this week, uh, oh, and b- behind the glass, Julian is unfortunately not with us. So, we have Eric Rossen. Jessen? Jessen, I'm so bad. I'm so it's terrible. You got my name right, but you, you fuck yeah, up everyone else's. God. Okay. It's called Write one. It Down, Ron. Our man behind the glass this morning is Eric Jessen. I didn't write it down, I have no paper of any kind. Uh, anyhow, uh, good morning. Thank you for covering for us. We're, we're glad to have you with us. Good morning. Uh, Thank you. This week, the unexpectedly awesome underbelly of Colorado Springs. But first, uh, we're going to try a little new segment here that I'm going to call the Newsy Bits. And what do you think of that name? Do you like Newsy Bits? Newsy Bits? It sounds, it sounds, I like it because it sounds like food and it, it sounds, sounds like kind of no- anatomical. Well, it sounds like Naughty Bits, the British. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, so, yeah, uh, Newsy Bits. Uh, this morning, uh, first of all, last week we talked uh, with Planned Parenthood and uh, there was there was a lot of uh, talk about what's going on with the Catholic Church fighting out against everyone else. So I did want to very quickly to to give a little balance to that argument, say that uh, Catholics, Catholics United, which is a progressive Catholic group, has been uh, raising money to help uh, Compañeros, this uh, immigration group in Durango, uh, to raise money because the, the main Catholic church has defunded them and cut funding away from them because they have ties to an LGBT uh, group here in Colorado as well. So that's pretty exciting if you want to check about that. Uh, the The progressive catholic population is actually pushing back against some of the things that are coming down from the vatican uh former sheriff pat sullivan uh is serving his 38 days uh of jail for trading meth for sex uh in the jail that used to have his name so uh they just they they booked him and they took his name off the jail so uh what do you think about that jared uh, well, I, I think that it's probably a good rule from now on that they're instituting that they don't name any public buildings in, off, after people until they've died. So right. they can there's be sure the whole, that they're not going to disgrace it. But. There's the whole live issue. But what about if you're named after a building that you're actually in and it's a jail? I, I think it can serve a good moral purpose. You know, If they took the name off the jail, at least rename the jail cell that he's in you know, and, and put a plaque <laughs> there. You know, just a sheer suite. irony. What's that? Hey, maybe he has a suite. He yeah. has he has a special suite. There I want to book okay. that suite again. I, you know this we we nominated he was he was part of we talked about him in our uh, our very perverted Christmas special um, uh, how he got arrested for trading meth for sex and uh, he was even nominated for asshole of the year. But you know honestly, I feel so sorry for the guy. I feel really bad, and I'm glad he only got 38 days because the truth is he's not a meth head. He's he and. What happened is he's gay, or he, he likes something stiff in his mouth from time to time, and he had to use meth as a way to get that. And that's kind of a shame that he couldn't just be out and get what well, he wanted Well, maybe, anyway. maybe not. I mean, the, the part that really pushed what he did over the line was how he 
utilized his authority and, and influence as a former sheriff there to um, you know have a relationship with these men, be able to you know use that authority and that power to get what he wanted. I think that's that was the difference. It's not like he was just in the closet and having these secret rendezvous, and, and so there was a. There was some some injury there. There there was a case to be made for him utilizing his authority wrongly. Oh yeah, I don't think what he did is right. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I'm not going there. I'm just saying I feel I feel bad for him in a way. I really do. So uh, and and now his name is off of a jail, which I don't think I would want my name on a jail, even if no. I were, even if I were the greatest cop in history, I wouldn't want my name on a jail. That that seems wrong to me. Uh, immigrant tuition bill has passed in the Colorado Senate. Uh, This is the tuition bill that sets a price point between in-state students and out-of-state students for in-state immigrant students who are here illegally as long as they say that they are are working towards citizenship. Uh, Anybody have any opinions on on that particular bill? Do you think it's actually going to make it all the way through and, and pass as a law? No. No, no, no. Because I mean, it passed on a party line vote in the in the Colorado Senate. It's now going to the House, which is controlled by the Republicans, and very unlikely that it'll actually make it through there. But um, you know, maybe they can pull away a few votes from the um, from the Republicans in the House and actually you know send it to the to Hickenlooper's desk. But uh, I don't, I don't, I don't perceive that this would be uh, something that the Republicans in the House right now would actually want their names attached to but i may be wrong what do no, you guys think christy do you do you have an opinion on this well i think that most things are uh, dead on arrival here with the legislative session yeah and nothing is really expected to pass but it stimulates conversation and i think that that's important but did i mean don't they realize this is a this is an opportunity because right now these folks that uh, they get in-state tuition uh they right is, isn't that correct they, uh students who are not citizens, but have gone to school and now want to in go Colorado to in, in, in and want to go here. Well, they're not getting the same rate of in-state tuition that someone who is a citizen would get. They're getting, uh, like you said, sort of an in-between rate. But that's, but I think that's what the bill proposes. But I mean, currently, right now, if the bill dies, they get in-state tuition, right? Uh, or they just don't get in. You know, the I don't know about that. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I think no, I don't think I don't on, think they based do. on whenever I was teaching. I think they get in-state tuition because they're considered residents of Colorado. And as long as they are working towards citizenship. So this is an opportunity for so, them to make a little bit of extra money, right? I, man, for I who to make extra yeah, money? Yeah, well, if, the, if the that's state. the case. The, the, the schools, the state schools. If that's the case, wouldn't Republicans get behind it because it's more prohibitive of well, these people? But, well, I mean, maybe, yeah. Perhaps I would think they would because it's, a, it's positive for the, bu- the bottom line of the budget uh, if you're able to charge a certain group of people for more. Um, what they're trying to argue is these folks are should be considered – Republican stance is that they're completely out of state. They should be charged out of state tuition yeah. or not accepted in their but And that's my point is it's a movement in that direction, so why wouldn't they support it I don't if know. they're currently getting in state? I don't, I don't know that they are currently getting in yeah, state. Yeah, I mean if they are, it's kind of murky. It's not sort of codified in any sort of policy or regulation. Right. I think it would legitimize – um, immigrant applications to schools, something that is prohibitive right now because folks don't want to – be on record as they, undocumented. They don't want right. to confess that they are undocumented. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it States. is sort of this weird middle ground, right? Like you're paying, you're having them pay a slightly higher in-state tuition rate than people who aren't. So I guess there's some compromise going on there. But the, the fact of the matter is, is these students 
you know, who've grown up here in the United States. It's not their fault that they were born here or brought here by their parents, uh, and they've managed to go through high school, uh, gotten good grades. They still have to get accepted to these schools. They still have to do all the same things, get student loans, work, earn money to Mm -hmm. be able to pay those schools. You know, even if they're not, um, they don't have a Social Security number, they're still you know, paying taxes in the form of sales taxes, property taxes, income taxes, if they're working under the table somewhere. So they are paying into the system. And, you know, it's a good thing to have, you know, an educated population, whether or not they're um, citizens or not. So uh, I don't know. I'm actually surprised that we're not hearing more outrage from the anti-immigrant groups about this particular bill. It kind of slipped through. Republicans have you know, they've made some noise about it, but they're not. But it's not like the, is the it, heated anti-immigration issue that we've seen in other years. And so I think it's just not that much of a priority right now in terms of a passionate issue. Well, it might be because of what Christie said is that nobody's really expecting it to pass. So they're not putting any energy into it. And there's this whole election thing going on. That yeah, but I mean, in the past, Republicans have always been able to get mileage, especially with anti-immigrant groups, the Tancredos and things like that putting forward bills that have no chances of passing, but just to stir up the base and stir up passions um, and because it's an easy issue for them. But right now they're really not stomping on it. So, Okay. Uh, Fountain, cons- uh, a, a gentleman in Fountain, uh, one, of the, one of the suburbs of Colorado Springs, uh, is very upset about the new, they're, you're getting, they're getting new smart grid meters uh, put in. 10,000 homes there in, uh, in Fountain are getting these smart grid meters, these special, do you, do you know about these? these smart, yeah. The smart meters you put in your home and then they can actually track how much, energy is your refrigerator using versus your dishwasher versus your lamps or your laptop and uh, he is furious about this and he's fighting to try and ban these things because he believes that they are surveilling our every move and that the smart grid movement is really just a movement to track us as human beings this this fellow has been around for a while he's a uh, he's sort of notorious for worrying about this sort of thing he's he's very anti-government but do you do you think that's real uh, smart grid is it is it a valid point to say that somebody could that the government wants to know how much we're using, how much money we're spending on certain appliances versus other appliances? Is this something that'll go into the census in the future? Uh, how much energy we consume? I think it's I think it's a good thing to know, and I, and I also think that, that is it a good thing for whereas, the government to know? Well, uh, <laughs> whereas whereas I definitely support um, people's right to privacy, I yeah. sometimes think it goes too far in instances like this where. It's like, do you really think your life and, and you are that interesting that they care to know that much about <laughs> right. it? Right. You know, I mean, it's it's what's the motivation in the government to do this other than to know where energy is being used and considering we're headed towards well, is it the major government energy putting crisis. It in or isn't it, isn't it Excel that's sort of doing this on behalf of the government? I mean, maybe there might be some regulation, but, you know, Excel, which is a private company regulated by the government, they have a economic incentive to have people reduce or at least uh, use energy more wisely. So, so I mean, it, 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 I, I would, I don't think that, like, that data is going into some, like, NSA database right well, now. Ac- according to the <laughs> according to the Colorado Springs Gazette, the, the goal is for the Department of Energy to create this automated system uh, that anticipates overloads and prevents outages. So they know if everybody's running their air conditioner at the same time and they can sort of curb that stuff. They'll shut off your air conditioner temporarily to keep the whole system from crashing. And they've, they've distributed millions of these things. Uh, 
trying to encourage investment, they're giving it out. Uh, what they consider what we have right now, the mechanical switches where you're just turning it on and off and you just measure the meter uh, as dumb, uh, uh, dumb technology, and they're trying to make it a little smarter. So they know and they can control what people are doing. Uh, Ken here, uh, however, this, this gentleman, uh, his, his name is Ken Lippincott. He, he's, uh, he believes also that he, he received a $400 water bill last year uh, because he was speaking out against medical marijuana. So he's not exactly the most uh, worthy individual to be discussing. It's just, it is fascinating to discuss, you know, what, what is the implications? What is this going to do to us if we have smart grids? I'm excited about it. I'm all for it. But, but I, I am curious, you know, the crackpots aren't always wrong, right? I'm just interested that this is being implemented in, in El Paso County down there in Fountain. Is this, is this something that uh, in Colorado Springs, too, that they're installing smart grids? Or is it just the city of Fountain? I'm not aware of any efforts in uh, Colorado Springs with the smart grids. We are in the throes of a debate about surveillance cameras, however. Mm. Uh, so surveillance, government intrusion, um, whether or not we're all interesting is a matter of conversation. Sure. Well, surveillance cameras, I'd say, is taking it too far. I really I have concerns about that, about being constantly under surveillance because of, of mischief nights and things like that that uh-huh. just sort of yes. – <laughs> okay. Those nights, makes, those nights where you just like run the blender and, yeah, makes, and the microwave <laughs> and the TV, and you're just like, I'm I using it all. You leave the stove on. I'm turn, no, I'm yeah, you turn about, the oven on I'm to cook about, a Totino's pizza and leave it there for no, forty. I'm talking about the surveillance cameras and the nights when I like to go teepee <laughs> uh, the town. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. All right. Ladies innocent fun, Ron. It's innocent. I'm all for it. I like it. You have to wait until it's going to rain the next day. Right. I use seventh generation toilet paper. So oh, well, that makes it good. perfectly all right. unbleached. <laughs> <laughs> There's actual pieces of bark in it, so <laughs> I think you can. I think you can use it as like uh, mulch when when you yeah. take it down. I love it, and I'm sure the geese around here would eat it happily. So, all right. After budget cuts, a Loveland middle school science teacher invests in half price. Dissecting frogs. Uh, <laughs> I, I so think I heard I, this. Did th- he buy this is it all on? I need. I, I have nothing else to say about this. I just have the question: What the hell makes a frog less expensive than another frog for dissecting purposes? It's going to be the weight. He purchased it online, right? Like he went to yeah, some. There's some site where you can just buy cases of you, frogs. You from, buy formaldehyde like, frogs in bulk. Yeah. My just, mischief night just got a lot better. <laughs> And cheaper. It's cheaper. <laughs> cheaper, half off. Who knew? Yeah. That, so I was, I was like, do, do these are these like mutated frogs that are you know missing limbs, or they have some sort of biological problem, or is it just that they're smaller? It's so bizarre. And it is very bizarre that the, the middle school science teacher has all this authority with his budget to just go out and say, "Well, we got to cut back on the frog cost this month." Uh, we. <laughs> We need to dissect those frogs, but we can't do it any other way. I mean, other teachers in his in his school district are switching to the the virtual frog dissecting, which is which is interesting, but not the same. Boring. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's such bullshit. I I love technology, but that is so wrong to do that. I, you're not going to. It's the smell, right? I mean, really, the dissecting the frog. Do you guys remember dissecting? Oh, the frog? oh yeah. I looked forward to it for years. I was so into it. I was so excited, and then you do it, and it's kind of anticlimactic. Right. Right. Sure. You're like, oh, there's not a lot more going on. Yeah, there but it's it's kind of like the one thing that that the kids who just don't care about science, like all the dunces in the class, 
that's the one thing that they can actually engage with because it is like the gross out factor and right. you can like you know mess with their limbs and make them dance and things like and that throw them at people throw them at people so see yeah. i i got to dissect all sorts of, i got to dissect a fetal pig and a cat uh which Oof. was which is pretty brutal and and that you know like i was i was one of like five kids that actually stuck around to do it where our parents our parents had to sign a special waiver saying yeah, we sure, hate we, hate, we cat. hate cats. Go for it. Fetal pigs. You went to the fancy school. We <laughs> <laughs> full price fetal pigs. Full price fetal pigs. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I, did you guys uh, do you remember any other dissections that you did? Was, was it frog like frog and earthworm? Those were like yeah, weird. we did earthworm. Frog oh, I earth... didn't do earthworm. No. I might have done a pig. You might have done the pig too. Yeah. Don't you think you would remember that? Boy, I remember. I might have out. chopped you... up a pig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like the breeding of the fruit flies. I felt like it was oh, really like because when they're when they when the animal's dead and you're doing things to it, it doesn't affect the future. But you feel like you're really helping out the fruit flies and oh, giving them I a got, good time. I got to work on getting these fl- the ones with the shriveled wings. I have to save them. I have yeah. to breed them out of existence. Right. Oh my gosh! Yeah, good times. All right, juror number fifteen in the uh, Officer Joshua Carrier trial. Uh, for those of you who don't know about this, uh, Joshua Carrier is an officer down in Colorado Springs who is being charged with over 200 counts of child molestation. Uh, and uh, this juror number 15... He didn't, he, didn't mo- he didn't allegedly molest 200 children. No, 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 no. 23, 20, 23, 23 children, 200 counts, counts of, of the act. Yeah. Sorry, yes, no, he's... Oh, my God. Yeah, he was really busy. <laughs> <laughs> While he was working at a school, uh, he's, he's been charged with these, uh, with these crimes. And... Juror number 15 was dismissed after complaining on Facebook uh, that the testimony in the trial is boring. How desensitized have we become that child molestation is a yawn? (sighs) How is is that boring? How could that possibly be boring? How? Yeah. I I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this case so much, but... Yeah, I mean, in the context of her jumping on Facebook and and talking about it and discussing it and then saying it was boring on top of that. I mean, there's a lot of really boring – if anyone's been to jury duty, the cases that you might have to sit through can be mind-numbingly boring. I wouldn't imagine that this would be one of those cases. That would be boring. You'd be hearing very, very uh, wretched, heartfelt, uh, awful testimony. If anything, it would be just emotionally draining and, and awful. Yeah, yeah, but not boring. It's the, it's the choice of the word boring. And and going back, you know, we've talked about getting out of jury duty before because our, our co-host Joel wrote the wrote that story on getting out of jury duty. And uh, this seems like a very effective way. All you have to do is talk about the trial on, on and you're done. Just post something about it on Facebook and you're done because uh, they immediately cut this guy out, which is probably what he wanted. No, she, uh, f- she was she was female. She, she was. I'm sorry. Yeah. She mm-hmm. uh, she uh, wanted out as quickly as possible. And I think it worked for her. So, all right. Uh, well, let's let's move on. Uh, remember, listeners, if you ever want to share an underappreciated news story with us, complain about our factual inaccuracies, or give us foot massages under the table while we broadcast, leave us a comment on DenverDiatribe.com or drop us a line at 720-282-YELL. Uh, this, this week's episode is brought to you by Free Speech TV on television, the internet, and radio. Free Speech TV inspires viewers to become civically engaged. For more information, visit freespeech.org. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about Colorado Springs. So, Christy, Christy, 
So excited to be here. Christy, you have no idea how excited I am. So background, Christy and I have known each other for like 15 years, and we haven't seen each other in a long time. It's, since your wedding, probably. Yeah, it, since, since like 2004. We haven't seen each other in ages. And uh, all right, look. Christy and I went to college together. We all lived in this, uh, we lived in these condos. And I, I was, you know, she lived down the hall with these two other gorgeous girls, just like herself. And I was, I was there, yeah, I was their man bitch. No, I, let's just be honest, boy bitch. And I was, I was like their surrogate boyfriend uh, for, for times whenever the boyfriends was not around. And, and Christy actually is the person that introduced me to Denver. I didn't, I didn't know anything about this town. Uh, but one day she was like, come on, we're going to Denver. And it took me down here and took me straight to 13th and Washington and, and took me to Emmy Jimmy's and fashion nation and wax tracks. And, and that was my introduction to the real Denver. Before that, all I knew about it was like Casa Bonita and the Denver mint. So, so I, yeah. So I, I, you know, I credit Christy was sort of introducing me to the real Denver. So that was very cool. But it's so weird to me because Christy, you, did you, were you born in Colorado Springs as well? I was. Born in Colorado Springs, raised in Colorado Springs, went to see you, and then you, you went back. Yeah, I can't. What, what happened? How did you go back? I, I never pictured you as someone that could go back to Colorado Springs. I always thought you were somebody that would go away. Yeah, well, I, I moved to the East Coast for a couple of years, did some right. political work. And uh, when I moved back to Colorado Springs, I was contemplating a master's degree. And I sort of realized that the community in which I had grown up, my hometown, it needed me. Um, and it needed a voice for the values that matter to me, mm-hmm. diversity, equality. Um, and I could be one of a million people in San Francisco standing up for LGBT rights. But in Colorado Springs, they could make a real difference. So yeah. belly of the beast, is that the idea? Climb right in. Yeah, well, and a sense of obligation, right? I mean, I grew up there. I wanted to make it a better place. And in the name of your group, again? Citizens Project. Citizens Project. And so um, I was looking at your website earlier, and so the types of campaigns that you're running there in the springs, what, what do they consist of? Yeah, so we educate and empower people to promote and protect diversity, equality, religious freedom through separation of church and state and civic engagement, which is a whole lot of work for a two-person organization. Uh, so it manifests <laughs> in voter guides, uh, candidate forums, some issue advocacy, legislative watching, and action alerts, opportunities for people to come together and talk across differences. Um, we work directly with the school districts about issues of religious freedom. We do some uh, proactive programming to educate people about how to make their voices heard in the process and protect the rights of others. Did you did you found this organization? I did not. Our founder, however, does still live in Colorado. She lives in Boulder. How and, old is uh, it? It's 20 years. It's our 20th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, 20, yeah. 20 years. So, so you went back to Colorado Springs. You got involved with this organization. You're the executive director now. And, and we wanted, what we wanted to talk about today is Citizens Project in particular, how, what its role is in, in this town that has a reputation. Let's just talk about the Colorado Springs reputation. Colorado Springs nationally is known as this uber-conservative, just bastion of Republican Christian ideology uh, there's focus on the family. There's all these different things going on there. And and yet you, you've gone back to try and sort of fudge with that a little bit. And the question is, is that reputation about Colorado Springs accurate? Is it is it really like that? 
Because my, my perspective from the outside, I mean, my, what I know about Colorado Springs is Manitou Springs and Pikes Peak and Seven Falls. It's, it's like this touristy wonderland of Colorado-y stuff. Uh, I don't actually see uh, from the outside these, these conservative ideals because I don't live there. Is, is it really that way? Well, you know, I think there are two Colorado Springs, uh, and there are two facets. There is uh, the group of people who are working together across ideological divisions. Uh, it's a heavy uh, libertarian community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are the folks who are working together who want to create a better community to defy those stereotypes, which, frankly, in many cases have been well-earned. And there are the folks who don't want to be bothered with that whole community thing. And the folks who don't want to be bothered with the whole community thing are those that perpetuate these stereotypes. Uh, But I have to say that there are a lot of great groups, a lot of great individuals working toward a better, more inclusive Colorado Springs that does defy those stereotypes. Well, sometimes I wonder about this, too, because, you know, nationally, like you said, Ron, Colorado Springs does have this reputation of being you know, the, the evangelical Vatican is, is, the, right, is the term right. because you hear you hear about these national campaigns or something that James Dobson said and they say, oh, well, it, you know, in Colorado Springs, based in Colorado Springs, based, based in Colorado Springs. But I sometimes wonder, is that a real reflection of the, the, the entire community there? Like people, um, it, it, you know, when you hear about campaigns that focus on the family does or these other things, is that really um, – does that really show the the true perspective of the people there, or is it just because you hear about these national campaigns and it happens to be located there? Uh, and there's also, I mean, it also has this reputation because there's such a huge military population there. There's so many military bases, but it, it's it's still a it's still a situation, right? Like you can just still be living down there, and you can live in downtown Colorado Springs and go and go to the market, go to the shop, and never really have this feeling like you're in some hotbed of Christendom, or is it? That's been my experience. I live downtown. Um, I walk to a lot of the restaurants. And my experience has been, um, you know, most people, and, and I have evangelical friends, I have libertarian friends, and most people just want to live together in a great community. And I think that some of the stereotypes, some of the handles that have been assigned to Colorado Springs are, are sort of lazy. Um, you know, we get these really big media stories like the Haggard scandal and um, you know, always based in Colorado Springs. And, and we hear on talk radio all the time, Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs, as sort of a paradigm for this particular worldview that is um, oppressive and intolerant. And it's not always the case. Sort of the assumption that, that James Dobson is the mayor of Colorado Springs, that he runs the Right. Town. Well, and it's not, I mean, we're all about media ratings, right? And it's not sexy to talk about the 500 kids who are served at the Inside Out Youth Center for LGBTQA allied youth um, every year. And that's amazing stuff that's going on, but it's not as sexy for the media profile. What, what's the A? Allied. allied. Ah! Okay, good. All right. <laughs> good job. Fellas. You're the A. I'm <laughs> the A. I have an I, I'm so excited. Yeah. I have a letter finally. Finally, get to get into that group. All right. So, all right. Well, let's move on and talk. Let's talk about what what is actually really cool about Colorado Springs. If if someone is because to me, I think Colorado Springs has reached this point where those that know about it uh, that go to visit, it's almost like Texas. They're like, oh, we got to get through Colorado Springs as quickly as possible because something might happen to us. We might <laughs> we might be under attack by folks on the family. Uh, what could folks go do that would uh, 
that would show them this other side of Colorado Springs? What could they go visit? Um, what sort of places? I mean, the one I would toss out is is Trinity, Trinity Brewing Company. Uh, so great, Trinity Brewery. It's a it's a local microbrew that serves vegetarian the fair. Uh, that just seems the opposite of what the stereotype of Colorado Springs is. This would a, be. Is this a newer place, Trinity Microbrewing? It's newish. It's a few years old, uh, but there's an increasing. We have a lot of really exceptional brew pubs. Uh, Bristol Brewery is fantastic, uh-huh. uh, right next door to Blue Star. We're doing some really innovative work um, at the Urban Center to renovate some of these. Uh, neighborhoods that deserve attention. But, you know, a great place to start is with the natural environment. We have hundreds of miles of trails. We've got Pikes Peak. We've got, um, we're right next door to Manitou Springs. We have a lot of natural beauty, a lot of great parks, um, and that's a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's the one of the amazing things. And that's what I remember about Colorado Springs. Like, whenever I came to visit my my strongest memories of my first visit to Colorado were were from Colorado Springs. You know, we went to Garden of the Gods, we did Pikes Peak, we went to we even went to the Olympic Training Center, uh, just because I thought that was so darned cool when I was 11 years old. <laughs> and <laughs> we went to the National Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, folks. Yeah, because my dad thought that was so darned cool. And uh, that's that's how I remember Colorado Springs is sort of this launch pad for all these really cool uh, places locally. But I, you know, is what else? You know, if somebody wants to, doesn't Colorado Springs kind of have a ska thing going on? Isn't there ska? Ska. They're into the music. I have to say, I'm not a ska girl. Yeah, really? I, we what? do have a pretty it, vibrant no, music scene. No, this is what scene. I've heard. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's, We've got a lot of great local clubs. Uh, you can see Black really. Black Sheep. Yeah, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Yeah, right, right, right. Super fun. Um, we have also um, a lot of local sustainable food, a lot of options for folks to eat. Um, I was going to, oh, we have a great sort of incipient art scene there's something going on every night of the week in colorado springs that's worth doing we where are, so so where where if folks wanted to go see that where would they go well the, we actually have a great organization in town uh called peak radar um and copper and copper does a listing or peak radar does a listing of everything that's going on in colorado springs in a given weekend and you can see a lot of great stuff and because the movement is really just beginning to gain momentum you can get art um you can acquire art you can see art we have art walks first friday um mm-hmm. really really fun old colorado city is it's a tourist trap but it is so cool i like tourist traps i'm okay with that yeah that's that's better than <clears throat> The, the other sort of traps that, that people would sort of associate with the town. So so you're happy with your decision to move back. You're happy with living in Colorado Springs. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, I love I love my day trips to Denver, i got to say. I was listening <laughs> to live progressive talk radio this morning, and I thought, oh, that's so nice. Oh, look at that. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I've got to say, it, it's really, it's a beautiful place to live. And I think that there's a lot of overlap. Um, a lot of the libertarians just kind of want to do their own thing, and they don't want to be in anybody's bedroom, and they don't want anybody in their bedroom. Um, and so there's a live and let live mentality uh, that sort of pervades some of the more militant um, Interesting. So not not in my backyard. They're not so much worried about the backyard as they're worried about not in my bedroom. Yeah. Well, just you know, yeah. Not on my property. I think is what the libertarians <laughs> say. Don't no. touch my property. Stay off my grass. But Chrissy, if you if you weren't involved in this organization and having a focus on, well, I'm going to be in the belly of the beast and try to 
changed things there in Colorado Springs, would you actually still be living in Colorado Springs? You don't live there because you think it's like a cool place that you want to live. You live there because partly because you want to do this type of work and that's the best place to get to get involved in that. That's part of it. But I have to say, I had planned to get my degree and move on. And I found Citizens Project and I volunteered for a, an event. And I got into this room and I, there were 500 people in this room who all cared about equal rights, civil rights, separation of church and state. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't leave. This is it. Like, this is where I want to be. Who knew that there were 500, even at the time? And there are thousands of people who care about those things. And so it's a building, it's building something uh, that's sustainable for future generations so that kids, the next generation, are growing up in an atmosphere that, uh, because let's face it, that ship has sailed, right? Kids these days, they don't care if you're queer, they don't care if you're straight, they don't care if you're black, if you're white, and it's the parents that have all the hang-ups. So what we have to do is do some education, outreach, and uh, create a better community, and I love that. Keep keep the kids sort of separate. Separation of church and state. Separation of pi- parent and child. Just long enough they don't lose those ideas as they get older. They don't think that the transition to adulthood is a transition into believing these other things. So yeah, that's that's interesting. So basically, what you're saying is that when you first went back, it was not with an intention to stay. That's but then, right. but then you found your community there, and you found the cool part of Colorado Springs, and you decided to stick around. Yeah. I lived in Colorado Springs. Well, I didn't live there, but I spent a significant amount of time there for like six or eight months or something. And, right. and the, one of the major impressions I had is that it's huge. It's so right. much bigger than you realize. It really is. I mean, you sort of like, I've, I, had, I had previously done trips to the airport, and you kind of see it from 25. And I mean, what's the population? Uh, 600,000. It's the so second com- biggest city in Colorado. Yeah, yeah right. that's right. Right, 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 right. 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 And it's it's sprawled, for sure. Yeah, it is. It I mean, is. there's an urban center that I think is um, vibrant and could be more vibrant. It's cute. Yeah, it is cute. <laughs> it's fun. I like Parking it. tickets are $20. Yeah, right. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Just It's worth moving. You'll save $1,000 a year in parking tickets just, just by moving to Colorado Springs. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's move on to love and hate. Uh, Anybody have uh, Josh? You want to start us off with love and hates this week? Sure. Mine is actually parking related. Oh, excellent! <laughs> it's like the second thing I talk about after food. I think is parking. Yeah. But I had my car towed. It was, it was. On oh the, no! Yeah, I I got frustrated trying to find a spot in Capitol Hill, so I said, all right, I'm gonna set my alarm for five thirty, move it before they tow at six, and I somehow my thumb moved it over from a.m. to p.m. so the alarm didn't go off. Woke up, like, and immediately, like, it was, like, pre-waking up, I knew. Woke up in a panic, and, of course, it had been towed. But this is actually a lot. street sweeping? No, oh, just no. just the hours, yeah. Yeah, it's just the hours that, you know, you can only park between 7 and 6 on this one side of Logan. So, anyway, um, so it, it is actually a love, though, because the city of Denver, unlike most other municipalities, they don't impound your car. Mm. So, oh. like, if you wake up and your car's been towed, you can get your car. They they actually tow it, like, four blocks over and park it legally on the street for you. Really? You still you still get a really? $50 ticket well, and a $100 yeah, yeah, towing sure. fee, so it's 150 bucks. but you don't have to, like, get a ride to but the impound, it. you know, and... and you don't. You don't, I don't have know to if do that. You know, it's true though. It I, is. If they, you go to the website and you, if you, because I woke up and my car had been towed, so I go to the website. My car's been towed, and that's the first thing they say. 
is that we move. They, they call it a short tow. They move your car to a legal parking spot within the neighborhood that you're in. And then how do they tell you where it is? I they, called. And then they keep a record I of called them? and they said, from that area, we move it to 7th and um, Sherman. So I walked down to 7th and Sherman, and that's where my car was. Wow. That's... That's and then there's really just, awesome. then there's you don't just have to deal with window. the weird, sketchy tow yard and the junkyard dogs. Well, trying that. to get out there. I mean, really, like if you if you wake up and your it's car's so been towed because you neglected to pay attention to something and you need to get somewhere, you just have to walk four well, blocks. Well, then you have the impound fees. And then you have the impound huge. fees and all that, huge. right? Right. So I think that that's a, a even though I mean I it's 150 bucks. I think that that's a, that's a fair and reasonable way of handling it. Yeah. And and not necessary considering that it's they even state that most municipalities will impound it. Right, right, right. And then right. it becomes a police matter too. I would say I wish that would have been the case when I got my car towed from Eighth and Sherman. Oh, you, uh, really? Did they so, impound okay. it to Thirty Eighth and Zunai? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm guessing yeah. it must be a thing like that's their policy to do it when they can, but yeah, they can't right. always find a, a right, right, right. spot. And it's probably also a thing where they look at it like, well. If we can just move these cars a few blocks over, then we can tow more cars more quickly. Right. If I sure. have to make it these trips all the way out, back and forth, back and forth, you're you're spending money on gas, and it takes up a lot more time. Sure. So so I don't think they're doing it to be nice. They're probably doing it to be more efficient. That they can tow more people. Sure. But the result is that it comes off pretty nice. Yeah. You, you lucked out. <laughs> I lucked yeah. out. So that's my love. Huh. All right. I like that. That's interesting. So Jared. Um, I have two, uh, I guess, quick loves I want to throw out there. One is I'm really stoked on the development that is finally undergoing uh, in the old Denargo market area. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this area. It's, no. it's what they call now River North. Right, right, but it's, okay. It's this kind of old industrial area right, uh, I guess, north of Coors Field but on the other side of the highway. So if you're going on Park Avenue West mm. over, you know, on that viaduct and everything north of you, there's just all these, you know, empty areas like that. Well, it's been slated for years that there's been this development project where they're taking what they used to call the Denargo Market, was kind of a food industrial area, and they're um, going to be building all this housing, uh, apartment building housing and kind of creating its own neighborhood. And just over the past few months, We've seen that project, which had been on ice for a while, starting to go up. So there's going to be, you know, a whole new neighborhood created there, something like over 500 more units with, you know, restaurants and other things like that. So and, you know, adding more adding more apartments to Denver. So people that, you know, aren't going to buy a house or, you know, other things like that. And hopefully will bring down uh, rental rates and things like that. So I'm stoked to see that. I also want to throw out a love to all the work that uh, Denver police chief. Uh, Robert White is doing to reform the Denver Police Department. He's been working kind of not behind the scenes, but within the department to change the um, change the structure of the department, yeah. got rid of these layers of authorities, knocked down a bunch of longstanding sergeants and commanders, really switching things up so that the disciplinary process, which has just been this huge albatross that no one could ever get beyond. And you really felt that with past police chiefs like um, Jerry Whitman, they felt you felt like they were just captive to this system whenever yeah. it came time to do this type of disciplinary action, which you know led to a bunch of the outrage and the reputation that the DPD has right now. So Robert White, you know, to his credit, has been doing a lot of um, work behind the scenes within the department to really shake things up. So it's uh, it's hopeful that you're starting to see more real change within that culture. 
he's he's helping finally shut down those two police officers that were uh, found guilty of beating Michael D. Herrera three years ago. Part, it, partly, it's I partly mean, the, him. The, it's also the, <coughs> it's also the the chief of safety. What's what's the title? Well, no, I mean the the DPD or the city of Denver has this process. It's called the Career Services Authority. So, okay. if you if they want to terminate someone, then any employee can go and appeal that to this. Career Services Authority, which isn't part of the DPD, it's it's for all city em- yeah. employees. And the problem is, is that that process has been so um, it's just so labyrinthian and can be gamed <laughs> can be gamed nice. by uh, by police officers and you know let's say it the, the the police union has been very good at using that system and finding loopholes and ways to keep these cops on the force despite the best efforts of the police chief right. or the manager of safety or all these other people. So a, a part of it is like it's a, it's a system that – another system that needs to be fixed. But within what the police chief has control over, which is his own department, you're starting to see him starting to implement more policies. And then you know I think the strongest message he's sending is that a new policy that if you're a police officer – and you lie, you fill out a false report, you lie in anything, you get fired, right? No matter what it is, you lie, you get fired. And if it's you know provable, I mean, there's due process and everything, but if it's provable, you lie, you get fired, which in past, uh, you know, in the past history of the DPD, that hasn't been the case. A lot of police officers could lie, could you, get out of You things, lie and you get and suspended. You get suspended or you can work within the system and you might be suspended for a few months, but then you're back on the force and that type of that type of culture that that breeds within an institution is very corrosive. And I think that just laying down that type of clear directive goes a long way to change what we've seen with the DPD. So I'm hopeful. Great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we just said something positive about the Denver Police Department. Yeah. I, I think that's nice a work. diatribe first. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> but again, let's see, because things could get, still get completely <laughs> yeah. fucked up here in the next six months. <laughs> Christy, do you have a love or hate for us? Can I do Colorado Springs? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got two loves. Um, Colorado Springs School District 11, which is the largest school district in Colorado Springs, their board, the school board, is working hard to create um, a very inclusive, a newly inclusive uh, statement of diversity. And they're... uh, they're they're against the odds on that in some ways, and they're uh, we've got some champions on the school board that are really pushing for more inclusive policies, and we're really excited about that. So that's a love, and another love is the Colorado Springs City Council. See, I'm defying stereotypes as I speak. The Colorado Springs City Council recently voted to um, sort of reinstate or recommit. Uh, organizational resources to a human relations commission which has a long and storied history in Colorado Springs it was it started and then it was disbanded and our city council um stood behind a human relations commission which we haven't had in years and that group is already receiving calls working with community members to resolve disputes and to um create a more diverse and inclusive environment and i would encourage any listeners to uh, check out the Colorado Springs City Council website at springsgov.com and shoot an email to uh, the City Council thanking them for taking this proactive step towards diversity. Nice. See, this is good. I like that. We, so often we focus on Denver, but then Boulder and Fort Collins. We're talking about that. We need the Colorado Springs do, report right? every we, once in a while. See, yeah. You can be our Thank correspondent. You. I'd love that. <laughs> that will be like you're in the battlefield. And like, 
Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I have I, I am so full of love today. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go. Doors open Denver is uh, this weekend, so make sure if you if you don't go anywhere else, go to the basement of Union Station. There is a gigantic model train city underneath Union Station uh, that is just so, it's fun. You don't get to see it. It's not typically open to the public, so go check that out. Uh, I want to also uh, mention South Stands Denver, our our uh, our frenemies uh, in the podcast world here in Denver. We'll be celebrating They're our their... sister podcast. <laughs> just call our it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got that South that. Stands, you're our sister podcast. I like that. Uh, our sister sports podcast. Uh, <laughs> All we yeah. need is weather now. <laughs> well, yeah, we need a weather podcast. Right. I'm sure we can find that. Uh, South Stands Denver is going to be celebrating their 100th episode, which is Ooh. quite a milestone for any podcast. Uh, they'll be doing that next week, and they supposedly they're having live. They're doing something live, but they haven't announced it yet. So I don't know. I'll look for it. Uh, South High School is doing a food truck festival this weekend. Um, that's going to be from 11 to 3 on Saturday. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ben Roy, the local comedian, just launched his first album, and it's hilarious, so you should definitely check it out. And uh, a special happy birthday to our co-host, uh, Vanessa Martinez, uh, who is having a birthday today. So, Really? Her birthday's Friday the 13th? It is. Uh, it, well, not every year. It's but not this year. <laughs> is that this why she's year, not here? Is she just, like, hiding out? No, yeah. she, had, she had some family stuff going on, yeah. uh, sort of sad stuff. But uh, happy birthday, Vanessa, as, as you're listening to us. Um, well, uh, Anything else? We got it? We good? All right. Mexican, well, Mexican hamburger. Mexican hamburger. Mexican hamburger. Condoms, condoms and uh, porta potties. Okay, there we've said all of our keywords for the for the. Week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all the love and hate we have for this week. If you have something to say about today's topics, or would like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at seven two zero two eight two yell. That's seven two zero two eight two nine three five five. Uh, our guest today was Christy Milligan, Executive Director of Citizens Project. Hey, Christy, if they, if folks want to find more about Citizen Project, where do they go? Citizens Project, all one word, no punctuation, dot O-R-G. Okay. Our theme music is by the band Houses. Our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. You can watch us live on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. on nfnradio.com, or you can listen to episodes on demand by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. Stitcher Smart Radio, Google Listen, etc., etc., etc. For more information, check out our website, dianverdiadrive.com, or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Mm-hmm.